Welcome to Between the Fur. I'm Ken, and as a professional mascot, I need professional costumes, right? People always ask me, who makes your costumes? I tell them Alinko Costumes in Salt Lake City. Alinko makes just about everything for me, and they do an amazing job. Alinko not only builds costumes, they have a design service that's free, and they also service their costumes as well. However, now the largest and oldest costume company in the U.S. just turned it up a notch by bringing on my friend, John Absey, formerly the Jazz Bear, to help with product development, processes, sales, and quality control. Hey, if you need a costume done right from the very start, don't waste time or money. Call Alinko. That's spelled A-L-I-N-C-O and get it done right. As a professional mascot, one of the hardest things is finding creative props and toys to use while you're performing. It's hard unless you visit the store at GameOps.com. My friends over at GameOps.com have dozens of mascot-related products. Okay, here's an example. You're working on a proposal skit. They have a giant engagement ring prop to make the joke even bigger. There's plenty more at the store, so visit the store, GameOps.com, and take a look. It's awesome, man. They have everything. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, coming in. Yeah. I did not put this in my calendar. I totally forgot. Uh, slacker. You know. Yeah. And we've got Kudos Backyard. Now, I've seen Kudos Backyard, and it's nicer than that one right there. And when you say his backyard, do you really mean his butt? <laughs> That's what I mean. He has, he has long grass in his backyard. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, long grass. Hey, I got to go change my shirt, you guys. Hey, you do. Are we allowed to say that you're... No. Can't say Man. kudos. Can't say kudos either. Hang on one sec. I'll be right back. Hugo, what's going on? I'm really, I'm working really hard right now to try to get a giant ass as my background. <laughs> Thirteen superfoods that make your buttocks bigger. <laughs> All right, I'm back. So the shirt that I have on now, courtesy of Pluto. That's one of my favorite shirts, man. You know what that says to me? What's that? He needs more shirts. I do need some more shirts. I need some 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 more kudo shirts. Is my tree in the background good? I like your tree <laughs> in your background. That's all I got. I'm gonna throw that's in Mark all Taylor between one fern. That's that's his new <laughs> uh, sitting next to a fern. I need another one between the ferns. Yeah. So um, I want to start this out by uh, telling uh, a funny kudo story. Uh oh. Yeah, um, so Kudo, uh, or actually I want you to tell the story. Let's have you tell the story. So right off the bat here, tell me about Bird Island and you mocking John Absey, uh, formerly the bear. Now, first of all, let's introduce Kudo as the former Moondog from Cavaliers. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> And Mark Taylor, formally, well, hey, wait, before we get to Mark, Kudo, formerly Moondog, formerly Nike guy, formerly Swoosh Man, and formerly Crunch. What was, what was your WNBA guy? The dog spot? Uh, spot, fire dog, of course. Spot the fire dog. That was your best character, I think. Sorry. <laughs> My best work? <laughs> nope. That was the most fun, I mean, by far. Less right. rules? No, it's just like the, the, it was, you know what it was? It was like all the stuff about the NBA, like the, the, the you know, and again, it's like, it's kind of baked in. It's like the, the players and the TV and like just what it is makes it difficult. You know, it's like where you can walk and who you can talk to and what you can do and all those things and, and the, the the players working with you and playing with you. And, you know, it's like in the, in, in the WNBA, they're all just like, everyone's thrilled to be there. Everyone's having a great time. The fans are just like hungry and passionate. It's just fun. It's like, more, it's, it's more fun because there's no, might be that there's no rules, but. Yeah. 
Well, it's like and the microscope isn't as strong. There, there, people aren't watching every move as much. That, right. That's what I felt like when I was doing WNBA as well. Well, the great go. Doppler. So, Kenny, you know, it's yeah. surprising that, that Mark and I are on the same podcast because we were bitter, bitter rivals. The rivalry what? between the Seattle Storm and the Portland Fire was just like, oh. that, oh, was, yeah. that was Piston Bulls circa 90s. I mean, that was, you know, you name oh. it. That was Lakers, Celtics. Oh, my gosh. Storm you guys are, Fire. You guys are speaking on speaking terms? We, we, well, I, technically, if you haven't noticed, I haven't addressed him directly yet. Oh, or made eye contact. <laughs> I can't see him past my WNBA ring. My glare <laughs> Oh, that's a cute one. I, I didn't wear my NBA ring. It's in a vault because I, oh. I can't take it out without an insurance claim. <laughs> uh, none of which I have anything of. I, 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 I have an and avalanche. Goes quiet. Yeah, I, <laughs> I have an avalanche <laughs> ring, and I don't even work for them. So, oh, no, um, too. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I have one piece of bad news for you, Ken, and I don't know if you know this or not but, about me, but I have an absolutely brutal memory. So when you're talking about the story from Bird Island, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So you're going oh, to have to clue me in with that story that, I, that I'm going to tell. You have to tell me what it is first. Okay. <laughs> okay. So first of all, yes. Um, wait, I want to go back a little bit. I, I even I, Here I am jumping around on my own thing here. So, but... When you're talking about anything goes, literally on Sunday, I pulled out a VHS tape because I've been converting VHS over to DVD. I found a tape of me in college and it was me working at a junior college in Idaho working a football game. Okay. So I noticed through this whole uh, four hours, brutal four hours, that the crowd would laugh and cheer at anything. That's when it was good. <laughs> it was just raise my hand. <laughs> oh, he's the greatest. Yeah. Then at one point I look up the, the camera pans up. It's my sister filming. So she's, you know, she zooms in across the field, people laying on the grass over there and everything, watching the football game. And here's a big sign, Thor. You know? I'm like, I was so bad back then, but yet these people were making signs for me and everything. I sat there the whole time with my hand over my face, my son over here just cracking up going, you did that? What, what was that? And yeah, so it was, you know, here I am carrying around a dummy the whole time too, you know, beating up a ref dummy. And oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, people love I, it. I, I love that you said you're, you're that old that you had to put VHS on DVD and it's not that you're putting it on, or it's a VHS. It's that you're putting it on DVD that won't even be around. I know. Wait, wait, wait. I wrote the same note, Mark. I'm like, does anybody want to tell them that we don't really use DVDs anymore? Just, just wait, 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 just to pull myself out of the, you know, depths here. Look, <laughs> I am changing that over so that I can digitize. I've already put stuff on YouTube already. So okay. it's just digitizing. Right, and it's something that I can do at home in my spare time. Just clarifying, I'm not an idiot. Okay, so for the most part. TBD. So anyways, yes. Ready to start the podcast now? <laughs> yes, go, let's go. Jeez. So <laughs> After you're done with lunch. Yes, I've got Mark on here as well. Mark is having lunch. And uh, <laughs> it was formerly Rumble for the uh, the Thunder and Squatch. I was Howler for like three months. Oh, that's right. That's right. Howler for the Avalanche. Yeah, in Denver. So, but anyways, so I wanted to talk about Bird Island. I heard this story from Absey. And uh, when you were mocking him about his big hoop at Bird Island, about him going through this big hoop, I guess you were going to start, he was going to start the show off here. And they put like candles was that right? You put candles around the thing, so it was a hoop of fire, and well, you were so, mocking. Yeah. So now I know what you're telling. So I, I did. Um, so my, one of my big dunks back in the day, when I could dunk, was through a, a hoop and then through a paper hoop, and actually, which was great. You know, when I used to travel around, I would literally, you know, kind of like to relax myself, I think, but get to the venue, and then I'd, I'd do this big paper hoop, and I would draw a logo. Sometimes I would make them before I went on the, the trip, even like pencil them out or something, but I'd like marker the whole thing. So I have this big bag of markers to go, and I'd put their logo 
And then as like the finale dunk, I would jump through, pop through the paper hoop and dunk. And then it turned into um, a ring of fire, which I also did. And by the way, so this is, you know, this is NBA circa 1990s. You know, you're, you, there was no stunt crew. There was no, it was literally like you and whatever you could, you know, shoelace together. And so this was, this is a, a piece of half inch PVC pipe that you would ring together. I would, you know, like I r- literally wrapped a torn up towel around it drenched in lighter fluid. And, and then I would light it on fire and dunk through the ring of fire. And so absolutely, of course, ripped me off. You heard me here. You ripped me off. So he brings his ring of fire to Bird Island. And like I said, my hoop was, I remember I used to pack it. Mark, you would know this well. I would pack it in my trampoline bag, which, so that was what, is it three feet? The, uh, the, the old uh, hex, hexagon hoops. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's about three feet. My, my hoop would fit right in there. It's the same, the same diameter. Thank you. Diameter uh, circumference of the um, of my bag, so I'd slide it in there, and that's why I keep my hoops. And uh, and and so Abzi shows up with his big ring of fire. He's going to dunk the ring of fire. His ring of fire hoop is, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I don't need to. It's like six and a half feet tall. I can walk through it. And of course, I'm mocking him like, "How do you make it through? <laughs> like, the accuracy is just pinpoint. I don't know how you do it." I think that's the story, Kim, unless you're going somewhere else with this. No, that's the story. And then something happened to him. And I don't know. Physically. And he, I think he said that he's like, oh, hey, kudo, seriously, you got to go through this hoop. You got to do the hoop. And he tells it, he says that you went, as it, when it came right through, when you, when it came right down to it, you went, through it, you shot through it like a bullet or something, missed the hoop, overshot the mat, and yeah, missed the dunk and everything. And it was so anticlimactic. And he was just standing me. behind the hoop going, mm, you know, yeah, I'm a, kudo, you suck. So, anyways. I, I got to stand up for Absy a little bit. He, he had that hoop that large because he would do a front flip through it. Right. No one's flipping through that little hula hoop. Or maybe, I don't know, has anyone flipped? I'm going to dispute Abzi's story only because I totally don't remember any of that. So okay. who knows? And actually, I, I kind of don't remember. I know I was there once with Abzi. Um, but so the Bird Island thing started when I was crunch. And if I remember correctly, there was a, a young man who got um, a marker. Can you make the story? I think he had cancer in his eye. Hmm. And he actually, ended up, that, that's what that whole event started as. Am I, oh. am I off the, and, and so I did this when I was crunch and then I left and Absy started doing it after that. And then I actually came back. This was years later. Might've been when I was spot. I, I'm not sure of the timeline. So I, I, don't, I know I was there once with Absy and it was a completely different event. When I was there, it was, you know, it was like a, a school assembly kind of set up. And then years later it was, you know, a total game and there was like six and six NBA guys there. So, the event had totally morphed and grew into something else. Something else. So, it was your seed you planted. Uh, that's I just gross. But. So far, this is the most boring podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> Seriously, you, can, oh can will you will you let us know when you're going to start recording? <laughs> I'm about to get off my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to Mark. Mark, tell me some. Please go to Mark. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what story do you remember, Ken? What's that? You said, what, what story do you remember about me? Uh, uh, I don't know, teaching you how to dunk. Yeah, well, yeah, and I, I've got my little boutonniere deformity from when you were teaching me right before my uh, tryouts. I'd never really jumped off a trampoline before, and luckily I got the, jo- or the tryout up in Seattle and was begging you to show me how to dunk and ran over there, and that, that my last dunk of the night – hit the rim and it my pinky was all swollen up and it wouldn't bend and I went to try out or the, the auditions and it wouldn't bend and I guess it was good enough to make it so whatever well you know it's these little setbacks that you know I instill in the instructions that I give you know that uh, set you up for future success well, I do one thing that I learned from you that I think really helped me get the job too was during my tryouts, I was, I, I did like these three skits at the beginning. So they said, you have 15 minutes to showcase your talents. 
15 minutes as a mask, wow. you know, is that's brutal. That's a marathon. Yeah. You have an eternity to do a couple skits. Yeah. I, I did three <laughs> skits and then dunked at the end, which just shows you how stupid and, and green I was that I thought dunking at the end would be the best. Um, but I did think like, Oh, that's the grand finale. I'll, I'll do these comedy bits and then finish with the dunks and blow them away. Well, at that point I was sucking for air. I couldn't breathe. Um, so I, I run down, hit the trampoline. I, I, I just do a straight on, make it, go back, do it between the legs, barely make it. Then I'm like, okay, I got to go for the flip. I, you know, I, I got to get this job. I know the guy before me, Adam Hardy was an incredible dunker and like, they're going to be expecting all of this. So I come running down, hit the trampoline, do a flip and just totally get hung on the rim. The ball flies, you know, barely hit the rim. I got lucky. I hit the rim. But I remembered seeing another mascot that happens to be your character that I guess we're not allowed to talk about, but I remember <laughs> seeing you do this one time when you missed the dunk, walk back over in front of the trampoline and do the old, oh, oh, you know, this. Uh, it, you, which a, I got, oh. which I got from Kudo. Hey, there we go. Wow. What I totally stole that from Kudo. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> what I didn't know is when I hit the trampoline, one of the springs popped out of the trampoline and landed on the ground. And when I went over to like pull up the little invisible thing, they all thought, you know, oh, that, that spring fell out and that totally messed them up. And I didn't know that. And they, yeah, either uh, way. See, I'm just, I, can I just point something out here? Okay. And I think Kudo, you'll, you'll agree with me on this one. Does this guy live a charmed life or what? Very much so. I mean, We're like nothing, too, nothing but guys. sunshine falls on this guy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> as I'm shutting my trampoline park down this week. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I know, but that's probably just going to open something up like, you know, a, a, a gold mine underneath it or something. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a Clorox wipe factory that's going to move into your space. Right. You know, that whole tryout thing, Kudo and I can, can converse on as well because uh, I did the exact same thing at my tryout. I dunked at the end, but they only gave us six minutes. Six minutes I thought was an eternity. And, oh, oh, I just remember sucking wind so bad after my tryout that I went back in and uh, I think, I think Kudo, you had already gone, right? You had already, I don't know, I think you had gone before me. Um, and I had gotten in a sweaty costume or something. That was probably yours, but I remember going into the little locker room uh, waiting area afterwards and just just about throwing up and trying to act cool in front of all the rest of you guys. And uh, you were like, hey, man, so we're all going to go out tonight. You know, we're going to uh, go grab a, you know, a few drinks or whatever you want to go with us. And I'm like, I'm going to go home and throw up. I, I, I'm just going to go home and lay down. I cannot move. I am so sick right now. So... Yeah, that was that was my tryout, but 15 minutes. Yeah, and at my tryout, we were going to be a chicken. They they rented three chicken costumes, and but it was this chicken costume that it had this flappy beak, and you couldn't it wouldn't stay open, so you couldn't see through it. And you know, I'm trying to I get some needle and thread, and I'm trying to adjust it to my head and see if I can make it anything work out of it. And finally, and the other guys are struggling with it too one of the guys who was trying out was from BYU, one of the, the Cougar, and he brought the whole Cougar costume. And so they, he was like, why don't we just use this? And the team's like, well, that seems a little unfair that he's so used to that costume that, you know, we should all be using the same one. And, and me and the other guy were like, I, I don't care. I would let's, let's at least wear the head. We can wear the chicken costume, the body, but we'll wear the, the <laughs> cougar head. And so we are actually this Cougar chicken thing. We're in a cougar head with a chicken body. Just, I love the cougar chicken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the poor uh, guy. I mean, I'm, I'm third in, and it was sweaty, you know, all sweaty and nasty. And, and then he didn't even get the job. I, he sent him home with a sweaty costume. His own sweat. Ew. Everybody's sweat in there. Uh, yeah. That's one well, thing, you know, like the, the guys who swap costumes and or co-perform, I, and first of all, COVID, I think that's out, thankfully. But man, I just never, I mean, that's just the grossest thing ever. Yeah. 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 I don't know how people do that, but, and they do it all the time in college. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But okay. So dunking, I want to stick with dunking a little bit. What's your worst or some of your worst dunks? <laughs> I mean, like I remember at a call at a high school one time doing an assembly. They, <laughs> this is way back, but they didn't have a mat. They didn't have a crash mat. So I'm like, ah, you know what? I just, I mean, I, I'm not going to, you know, I got to have a mat. So, uh, they said, well, we've got this big triangle mat. I'm like, ah, okay. It's a big wedge. And the, the, the top of it was, was pretty high. And well, I'm like, oh, you know, there's enough surface there. I could probably just, you know, put a dunk in and land on that, whatever. <laughs> I go up there. I dunked it, put my arm in and kind of swung my feet back up underneath and, and let go. But as I came down, just my chest hit the top of the wedge. So <laughs> I went way too far. My knees, my kneecaps came down, wham, on the hardwood floor. And literally, I thought I was, I thought I was done. I, I thought my legs, I thought I was going to be hospitalized. Literally got up, like, can I actually even hold weight on my feet, on my, uh, on my legs? And never been in so much pain. Well, no, I have, but that was a lot of pain. Anyways, but I remember Kudo used to put holes in his ball. Yeah. Oh, the bowling ball. Weak. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but I never lost the ball. Um, so, so my, I think one of my favorite dunk uh, botch stories, I was in, as in, this is when I was a uh, swoosh man, and I was doing uh, the rollerblade dunks, and we would do it with the centrifuge. My assistant would stand out like in the center of the court, and there's like ski tow rope thing, and he'd like zing me around, and then you just get slung up the up the uh, the bait, not the baseline, but the, the sideline of the court towards the ramp. And we had practices, obviously in, in Beaverton, we and now we're in France doing the show. And the whole the whole layout is the ramp is in one spot, and then the way we had it, it's essentially six feet. So you get like you know just put your arms up about six feet and that's where the, the the mat goes and the mat's like six foot by 12 foot or so whatever and so we're doing it and you know, we rehearsed it and we did it now it's showtime when we do it um a little side note about uh swoosh man it was like a um scuba gear suit and so when you sweat it would all literally drain down to the feet and so when i had on the rollerblades there's video actually of i'm rollerblading around the court and you see there's water like squirting out the sides <laughs> of the of the boot from the from the from the rollerblade because all the water is draining down to my ankles and going out there and that's the only place it has to go that's a whole other thing which by the way you can't rollerblade in with a wet court so once you make one loop and you've sweated up and there's water squirting everywhere it's just a death, the whole thing's a death trap so I'm going around, I centrifuge around, I come up the baseline. I mean, you're going as fast as you can go. And there's no turning back. There's absolutely no stopping, nothing to do. I hit the ramp, and I remembered all I could think of was the mat should not be touching the trampoline, which means essentially the mat was six feet closer to the tramp than it should have been. And so I hit it. I'm going, you know, you've got the, the adrenaline's rushing. You're flying through the air. And on the, with the ramp, your feet kind of go out in front of you. So I'm up feet in front of me. I'm going to slide by the, the, the net. I dunk it, but then the first thing I'm doing, I'm turning around, trying to grab backwards, to try to grab <laughs> the mat. Just so I can land something on the mat without completely missing it. Because as you go, you're, I'm prone to six feet out of the way, I'm going to completely overshoot the mat. Yeah. So I'm leaning back, trying to catch something of the mat. I land from essentially horizontally 10 feet in the air as I slide by, dunk the basketball on the way by. I land from there, boom, right on the hardwood floor. Mm. And of course, then you just bounce up like nothing happened because you're a superhero. You got to live through that. So uh -huh. I get up and I'm, I mean, right now I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, and the next day, you know, everyone's worried about you and you always, you want to have a show like that something hurt. The next uh -huh. day was kind of nothing. I think I actually flew back like the following day. And by the third day, I was bruised from my, my um, shoulder blade down to my knee, like, uh, like an entire body bruise just from landing. <laughs> completely on the court hmm. can't believe you didn't break anything oh I, yeah i mean and i can relate with reaching back for the for oh, that <laughs> <laughs> it's like slow motion falling yeah. going i just want that mat over here <laughs> i i remember ken one time you were reaching for the rim you were you were on rollerblades 
going over the guy on the Harley. And this was way back in the old arena. Yeah. And you didn't have enough speed. And you were basically coming right down on top of the guy. So you're like trying to reach <laughs> him, grab it and pull yourself. And you like slide right down his back and right off the back of the motorcycle. That was crazy. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. And that was me just like skating. Yeah. Fast exactly. Yeah. You, you uh, would do this big circle around the court. Like that's really going to help. Cause you can't, when you get in the corner, you're going too fast. You have to slow down. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was just manpower though. Trying to go off that ramp. Yeah. yeah I had, I had a similar crash experience. It was also on inline skates and doing the ramp dunk and it was crash mats and we would put crash mats end to end when, well, this was during practice. No, I had it in the game like this too. So I was going from the, a little bit farther out. So I couldn't just do like a little six foot gap there. I need, need a little bit more, but um, we had two mats end did, to end. Did he just like subtly just, you know, yeah, that was, I'm, totally, and, uh, I'm bigger and better than you. Hey, yeah. I, I told you Cam about that rivalry. Oh, uh, Ah, uh huh. So, mats are back to back or end to end. We put a mat on top of where those two come together, so there's not that crease. You know, back in those days, we didn't have the Velcro strap that you could put over the between two mats to to keep it from having a gap there. In practice, I would jump off the ramp, land on that the top mat, and that whole mat would kind of slide with me, and so it, it helped kind of reduce some of that momentum. Well, we did did that practice like seven or eight times, kept moving it back to where it's supposed to be. And then I'm like, okay, last one, this is it. Let's let's walk through it just like it's at the game. And no one remembered to move the mat back. So it had slid slid all the way to the end. And as I'm in the air, I can look down and see there's the mat's not where it's supposed to be. And the rim's coming at my head. So I'm like, okay, I will dunk and duck. And both feet landed right in the gap. And that wasn't the, the that wasn't like the main part that hurt landing there. It was that my momentum, I was going, you know, 20 or 30 miles an hour and then completely come to a screeching halt. I was, I didn't slide at all. So my feet land in that, my, my knees both just mashed me in the chest. I can feel just like you said earlier, Ken, where it was like, I, this is it. Like I just blew out both my knees, both my ankles. Uh -huh. I'm not walk again, but Luckily, I was able to, to stand up. I ended up tearing my, my meniscus. I had a bone bruise in the other knee, uh, sprained sprain that knee, and then sprained both ankles. But taped it up and did it the next night. One try, go down. That was the last game of that season, and I had all summer to rest. Oh, well, see? It all works out. It all works out for Mark, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's the moral of every story, and it's the charm yeah. life. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I did have surgery right after that too. Just oh, to, you know, yeah, surgery was successful. Well, so there you boom. go. Look at that! You didn't die. <laughs> Hi. Okay. So here's here's one. At my age, uh, what two years ago? I was fifty-two. Um, practicing for opening night. I got a new one wheel. Those things are awesome, by the way. So. Uh, I'm thinking, you know what, I, I'm going to try the ramp thing, you know, or the, the electric skateboard thing or whatever, where you jump off and, and hit the trampoline. So I, I thought, you know what, I need to try this out before I get too much further in this. Um, I'm going to do this in the back without, you know, the hoop, the basketball court wasn't set up hoops put away, whatever I'm in the back. Back in the tunnel, I'm trying this. I set up a trampoline. I set up a mat. And at first, I'm like just easing into it or whatever. Sure enough, uh, after a couple of these, and I, they were successful, all of a sudden, there was a little bit of a crowd there. There were some stagehands. And they're all like, you know, yeah, man, this is awesome. This is going to be great. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to turn it up now. Showing off. Fire down there full speed at this thing, jump off, completely miss the mat. I, I didn't even know where to put the mat in the first place, but I was doing fine. I kept in, you know, before that I kept going up. Well, this time, man, I launched off the trampoline perfectly. I'm like, I am actually flying. 
and there went the mat everything it was so far behind me and then i i realized that there's a brick wall coming up <laughs> like i was flying literally 30 feet and so i i ducked no helmet it's cement back there too by the way and luckily <laughs> ours is dirt we have dirt in our back i don't know oklahoma thing i guess oh yeah that's oklahoma for you but out there dodging cows and so yeah literally it came down right in the corner of the cement the brick wall and just barely like literally within inches missed a golf cart as well <laughs> well the guy that was there helping me he runs over and he's like <laughs> All I hear him saying is, stay with me, Ken, stay with me. <laughs> I look up and there's, there's, of course, there's blood in my eyes, you know, bleed, you know heads bleed. So, uh, yeah, I, I did end up in the hospital, you know, getting some, in the emergency room, getting uh, some stitches on that one. But, uh, yeah, needless to say. You made it back in time for tip-off? Uh, tip I made it back in time for tip-off. Didn't do the stunt that night, so. Yeah, but <laughs> I shouldn't be doing that stuff at my age. But I thought it was brilliant when I saw uh, kudos, bowling ball, basketball, dunk ball. I take a lot of heat for that, but like I said, I, I don't ever drop the ball. No. If you, if you, hold on, can, can both of you guys tell me you've never done a dunk where the ball slipped out of your hands? I can. Yeah, I'll – I'll admit it's never, it. it's never happened. Uh, I oh, no. or it has happened. Oh, it has happened several, okay. several times. Yeah. I went as far no. as to do the whole, you know, spray glue your glove thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I used to have, I used to have a patch of Velcro on there and a Velcro dunk glove. <laughs> Mark, Mark, the balls never slipped out of your hands. Oh, no. Yeah, it has. Okay. Uh, I, most of the time it was, I'm thinking more, it was dunk teams, you know, a pass coming to yeah, me. Yeah. And yeah. I, you can't, you can't use that. Um, yeah, oh, there's times I missed. Didn't you have a ball inside the ball too? Yeah, yeah. So to the, keep it the it's it's a regular ball, and then on the inside you get to find a ball that has like a little bit of give to it, one of those little kind of playground balls. Um, yeah. How Fly did you get it, it in there? Well, you, you deinflate it, and then you stick it in there, and then you inflate it while it's in there. And then the other trick is on, on the ball that you put on the inside, you got to put arrows all over to where the inflation tube is. Because once it disappears, you, like you're fishing it out of there forever, trying to find the right spot. So I have all these arrows on the ball. Like this is the way to find it if you're looking for the inflation. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, that's great. See, Kudo, Kudo always has like things written out. He when he would throw a football in the crowd, throw yeah. this back. Oh, throw it back to crunch. Yeah. I mean, he'd spell you idiot. Instruction mantle right there on the, on, the, on the football. So, Ken, I know you're old enough for this one. And, Mark, I, I think you probably are too. But, like, one of the great setup gimmicks for, for skits. I mean, I use this, like, when I tell stories, I always think, like, did I do this for every skit? But, like, the whole – and it's an old gorilla bit where you just go out in the fourth quarter and you have to bring your football. And it's kind of a basketball game. Throw the football in the crowd and they throw it back and you just you play and catch. But it's like a setup to all these like little silly skit bits, or you can always create a skit out of it because it's the way you pull a fan out of the stands, or it's the way you get something to happen on the court. It's like just that it's that action that happens beforehand. And it's no one does that anymore. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a little intro piece that you can like write anything you want at the tail end of it. But no one does it anymore because that, that football thing doesn't really work now because the court has a million people on the court. Yeah. And well, so, like, I haven't used that forever, and it's, oh, it's just such a great tool. I think the other thing is current-day mascots don't have as much leeway. It's like you, you're going out there for a specific purpose. You need to – everything has to be approved, where, you know, that was kind of the, the end of my career. It was more like that. Yeah, like, yeah, don't go out and just freelance and just right. kind of make something up. But that's when uh, – those were the best bits, you know. You, oh, yeah. Throw the ball up there and, and just like what is going to happen. And there's times when nothing happens, but you have your fallback. You know, when they throw the ball back, you miss it, it hits you in the head and you fall yeah. over. Or the referee, you know, gets the last throw. Right. Also, my favorite too is that you just tell the referee, if, if it, nothing happens, you're end of the timeout, I need to hand it the referee and say, just throw it away from me. And you'd, you'd run up for a pass and they'd turn the other way and throw it in the crowd. Oh. They'd just get booed like crazy. 
But again, it's like the great ending and you're done. It's like, oh, yeah, all right. Okay. You walk off and it's like everybody's uh, looking at you saying, oh, yeah, he got dissed by the referee. It's this perfect ending to all that. And, uh, and a lot of times you can come back and add on to that. Oh, yeah. yeah it's so, such a great setup. Uh, I feel bad no. that no one uses it anymore. Yeah. No. Well, okay. So uh, I still throw the football in the crowd. A lot of times I'll use the hoop pants or whatever that I got from Mark, actually. Uh, that idea. I, I'm sounding like I steal everything. Anyways, so, um, but I got to where I throw the football. Uh, I would throw the football, you know, all around. But um, one day I threw it. This is way back. I threw it on the player's side of the court, and some dude, he grabs it and fires it right at the other team. <laughs> I mean, he turns and just throws it right into their huddle. Oh, that's why we don't use the football anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it right there. I was never allowed to throw it on that side of the arena anymore. I was, I was lucky that I could throw it at all. Because I've had so many other things just nixed, like my I'm a stupid shirt. I have, so I have a funny story, and everyone knows this guy now. When I was with the Timberwolves, Kevin Harlan was our, our, the voice of the Timberwolves on, the, on TV, who now is obviously world famous as the voice of the NBA and whatever he's on TNT or whatever. And he's awesome, like the greatest dude ever, super great. And he always wanted to be in bits. And he, he kind of liked a, like a little adversarial thing between Crunch and, and Kevin Harlan. So he would always like, I'm uh, trying to go, example we i go over and play with him on the scores table and he'd kind of give me like just get, get out of here always it was always like this contentious thing and he wanted like this little heat between us so at one point he he's, he does this thing where he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna throw the ball at you so i give him the football for a bit and i go out and he wouldn't throw it and so i come over and i'm kind of like raise my hands like, come on throw it at me dude and so i turn around and I kind of open the crowd to get like why wouldn't he throw it to me i turn back around to face him and I have him, and he just literally rifles it, hits me in the seats. And so I double down. Everyone's kind of booing him, and he's just like, oh, get him out of here. And he's playing up, and he loves the whole bit. Again, it's like he's just – he's like the biggest fan of this whole interaction. So then, like, a, a few games later, he's like, Crunch, I, I, I want to do this thing with you. He goes, bring, bring the football out, and we'll do the whole back and forth. This time, I'm going to stand up, and I want you to throw <laughs> in the seats. And he goes, hit me as – hard as you can and he, he didn't, he's like just do it do it so i'm like I, you know i was gonna say no to that so we do this interaction and i remember i get him up and he's like wave it like throw it to me throw it to me and i rifle one i don't know how he lived through it i mean i literally hit him square between the legs and he just kind of ducks down what the hell are you doing but the football is the greatest thing ever Wait, bring the football back i don't know why they don't let us use the football anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah bring the football back oh i love the football Kenny, you just you just did use it you you did the uh, the thing with peyton manning i mean again like that's the kind of interaction that, that the football is so great at you can like draw people in and you, you i mean you can tell the story oh well maybe you didn't do that sorry <laughs> i didn't just, do that i mean i'll, but I'll, if I, I'll, I'll tell you about it i'll tell you about a mascot that did so so the, the football toss there's another great example recently one of the mascots in the NBA did it where he brings that out and he hands it to Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning throws him a pass. And of course that guy's such a doofus that he dropped the pass. Oh, Peyton Manning. I mean, the great Peyton Manning, your one chance for this amazing bit. And they, and that mascot dropped the pass. You know, you know, I was in the crowd. I was in the crowd for that one. So I could, you were, yeah. So I could probably tell you, tell it a little bit better. So a little bit more. Well, that's what happened. So, <laughs> so this time Peyton Manning was sitting in the stands about seven or eight rows up the Peyton, which, Manning? The Peyton Manning yes with his kids it was the only seats available that night apparently so yeah normally this was not people, in Cleveland normally famous people or football players that throw the football are sitting courtside so, yeah, anyways, Peyton throws his pass, and the mascot, I swear, lost it in the lights. That's all it was. So, But he was able to redeem himself a few games later when uh, Peyton was sitting courtside. Didn't lose it in the lights that night. 
Hey, I want to pause here and tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Alinko Costumes. Alinko is family owned and operated. Their first pro costume was the San Diego Chicken. <laughs> and their first NBA costume was the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. Alinko's history dates back 100 years, and now they make over a thousand mascots a year, including high school, college, corporate, and pro teams. Needless to say, they know their stuff. They also stand by their work with the best warranty in the business. I swear I've called Jill at all times of the day, and she always answers. Alinko has earned my business, so I recommend you go where the pros go, alinkocostumes.com. Now, back to this episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I did a bit one time with the, the hoop pants, threw the balls far, just like a nerf kickball kind of thing, or, you know, the size of a kickball, throw it as far as I can up the, in the stadium. The guy throws it back and only makes it, you know, maybe 10, 15 rows down. He doesn't, it gets nowhere close to the court. Hits this old lady in the back of the head. Everyone's booing him. I go grab the ball, walk it back up to the same guy, hand it to him. But then this time, you know, I, I don't go back to the court. I kind of, I only get went like 15 rows down. And he tries to throw it again. Short this time, hits someone's drink. Their drink goes everywhere. I can't write this. You know, and so walk back up, hand it to him again, you know, and then just step just a few. Okay, just put it in the hoop, you know. and. Yeah, you, Again, you're you're just like setting it up. Easy to play off of that. Yeah, bring the football back, people. Yeah, and they always say, you know, never work with animals or kids. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I would love to work with animals and kids every time because something funny always going to happen. There's something's going to happen. And what about remember you've you've done a bunch with kids, and that one time when the kid ran and like didn't he grab onto one of the player's legs or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, um, brought this kid in because um, I had seen him dance. And so, man, I, I brought him out to dance. And he was like three, I swear. he could, But he could move and he could break and he could spin and all this stuff. Uh, but just the tiniest little guy. And uh, when the break was over, I'm like, let's, okay, yay. You know, I, I, I set it up like, hey, I just brought this kid out of the stands, you know, woo. And uh, at, the, at the end of the bit, I'm like, okay, bah, that's the buzzer. <laughs> let's go, come on. And he's like, uh-uh. No, 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 come on. No, seriously, it, we got to go, you know. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Well, the players are starting to come back out on the, on the court. And so I'm like, I, I got to get him. So I started to get, started to go, grab him he starts running around avoiding me you know and i'm like dude get, and i you know so i'm going with it and i'm looking at this at the you know fans and they're laughing and everything the kid as i turn away the kid runs over and sits right down on um i was thinking it was carmelo anthony but no it not. wasn't it was um a big tall it was one of these big tall guys Okay. <laughs> you play basketball? Yeah. Anyways, runs over. So he runs over and he plops himself right down on this guy's foot, sitting on the bench, and holds onto his leg. I'm like, just can't write that. Mortified, can't write this. I'm like mortified, and at the same time, I'm like, yes, this is happening. So yeah, it just wrote itself, and now you're like, okay. How can I do this again? Yeah. Something, something similar. Not the exact same thing, but something very similar to this. Right, right. <laughs> He's, I'm, I swear his dad told him to do that or something, but he literally hung on and would not let go of this guy's leg. It was great. But I did have one, uh, a crazy thing happen one time with uh, George Carl being our coach. Brought out a baby one time, handed it to the referee, walk off, and... The referee's like, oh, what do we do with this now? Usually, they'll hand it to a fan after you walk off. No, this referee handed it to George Carl, head coach, and uh, then started the game again. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I disappeared at that point. And sure enough, yeah, we were playing Seattle that night. The coach of <laughs> the Sonics was so mad, he complained to the league. They tried to find us, tried to find me, 
I'm like, I didn't do anything. It was the referee. So yeah, but it was awesome having, um, you know, George Carl walking around with his baby and coaching at the same time, held him for like five minutes. So can't write it. Can't write that stuff. You probably could if we were smart enough, we could have, but you know. Ah, none of us are. Yeah. Or I, I probably wouldn't have been afraid to talk to George Carl about that one. So anything, uh, Oh, I, I, I want to bring up stories about Desi, but, um, <laughs> so, so Desi is, he's a really interesting guy. Cause he was with uh, sports magic in uh, Orlando and was part of their court crew guys or well, their performers. And then he had this thing. Where he said, really want to be a mascot. So it was, it was interesting. Cause he, you know, watch a guy who really just like, followed you know a lot of the nba things and just kind of like shadow you around to try to figure out the business and he worked his way and he got the job with the uh the kings i think was his first one he bounced around a couple places he was with pittsburgh for a while and what you know what and we're always trying to help we're, we're, you know, i don't know yeah, yeah. one of us that wouldn't help out a guy you know yeah, trying yeah. to get trying to break in i i, I can't remember why the story sticks in my head but he um he was in Yakima doing a CBA show. And maybe I was in Yakima like the following week or something like that. Where the guy was telling the story, but he wanted to like rappel down and he insisted upon being up in the rafters, which a lot of guys do before the crowd comes in. So they don't see him. And so he was up there. I think he was up there for like four hours for the game. And kind of, it was just like this guy living in the rafters before he had like <laughs> rappelled down for his bit. But they were like, well, we didn't know why, but he, he insisted yeah. on being up there. Yeah, we have all kinds of stuff. I've heard. Let's switch gears though, real quick. Mark, did you do any CBA stuff? Yeah, I actually was trying to pull up this picture. Uh, when you said Yakima, it reminded me. I, I taught the Sunday school class at my at my church the last few years, and it's for newly marrieds. And I had this guy come in with his wife. They just got married a few weeks before, and. Um, so I went to lunch with him. We're just catching up, trying to, oh, no, actually, we, we had a, like this event where we we're playing pickleball with a bunch of the guys, and he's wearing a, a University of Washington sweatshirt. So I'm, we're just kind of chatting, and I'm like, hey, you go to UW? He's like, no, I, I grew up in, in Yakima in Washington. You know, it's a small town not too far away from Seattle. And I was like, hey, I used to go there all the time when I was Squatch. I'd go do halftime shows there. And he's like, you were Squatch? I was like, yeah. You ever see me? He's like, yeah, we, we had season tickets to the Sun Kings and we would go all the time. He's like, you know, what, what years were you there? Cause there was a guy, you know, guy before me for four years. Uh, and so trying to figure out the years and everything. And, and he's like, oh, hold on one second. He grabs his phone. He starts texting or you know, I just see him typing and we, we start talking again. And then like two minutes later, he's like, Hey, I just got this. Were you, did you hold people upside down like this to take pictures? Oh like, yeah. <laughs> so he was like 12 years old when I held him upside down. 12. Oh, that's you know, him. That, that's that is him. him. That is him. That's that great. Is on his, his parents' mantle, like right now. Like, so he texted his mom and said, Hey, can you take a picture of the picture on the mantle of me being up, held upside down from Squatch? And so I'm like, Yeah, that's. I would always do that. I got that from Ken. I don't know who you stole that from, but I would always pick kudo. upside down. Yeah, kudo, the, the godfather of everything. <laughs> but I mean, what are the odds of that? Like, he's now 25 years old and mar- or 24 years old, married in Oklahoma City, and I'm teaching a Sunday school class. Weird. Oh, crazy. oh my gosh. See, sun just shines. Boom. <laughs> you know? know, that's amazing, though. I, I, I literally was just having a guy uh, tell me today um, about me being at his middle school and all that stuff too. But I mean, you, isn't it funny? You, you will never know what pictures people have up in their houses of you. You'll never know what impact you had on them. Hopefully it was positive. Um, you know, Kudo, he has some CBA stories that I would... <laughs> Love to go over <laughs> off this podcast again, but uh, you know, it, a lot of the time, man, kudo, you were that's how you made your living, man. You were you were out there hustling. Oh yeah, yeah. So so when I first started '89, it was really you know the the CBA was sort of untapped in that there was 
probably 16 teams. I mean, maybe even 20 teams at one point. And there's actually a rival league called the GBA at one point. And at the time, like the, of the mascots who were out there, the very few toured and the chicken did some, and he would, he, you'd see his name pop around a little bit. He was really expensive. So he was priced out for a lot of those teams, but like the gorilla was really big in the CBA. And I was like, Hey, this is where you can make some real money. I mean, I was probably making more from CBA teams than I was from my own team for a few years, but you know, it was, I always look at it, look back at, first of all, I don't know how I did it physically because it's just like the, the travel and it all is incredible, but you know, you're doing 41 home games. I was doing my, my peak year was like the fifth year in, I did 44 road shows, which means what? I was traveling more than the team was doing. And like between, after every game, you would literally like the next morning I'd pack up and I'd be on the road, road trip into, you know, wherever, you know, Rapid City and Cedar Rapids and Sioux Falls and, everywhere in the country and the, you know like that that and the college and the, and the colleges were, were huge and that was like where you could really make some money yeah you were hustling man i was always impressed oh. with how many you were cranking out oh yeah i was it was it was uh it was a, it was a deal my favorite my favorite numbers were though that every year just based on the schedule and like they're you know like uh, high schools play on thursday nights you know colleges play fridays or whatever the whole rig and roll is but there was there was always one stretch for like three or four years in a row i i do five games in five different city i'm sorry in five different states in five nights so you'd literally just be bouncing like state to state making a big loop and sometimes it'd be one home game and four road shows but it was and that was hustle and then sometimes you'd do six and uh six and nine so six and in, in, uh, six different states nine days and, and again, physically, I remember I did, I was, I did a, a Cavs game one night and I flew out and did this other character I did called the King of Sports in uh, New Orleans. And I'm flying out and I'm on the flight and I'm so drained. I'm just like, I, I can barely keep my eyes open. And I'm thinking, this is day two. I mean, this is just five days in a row. I'm like, what? <laughs> like superhuman, 20 year old. I mean, I don't know how I did that. I don't know what we got now, but like the, 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 the miles were uh, significant at that point. And you traveled by yourself at that time. Uh, no, or did you? Shows I had an assistant with me that like the first year I went solo on some of those, but it's, you know, you know, the drill, it's impossible to do a show and try to teach someone your show and where the trampoline goes and all that. It's not okay. safe either. Uh, but no, yeah, I would, no, I would travel with, with somebody else. Well, I was going to say that's probably a, a pretty rough schedule, but if you had somebody taking care of you, it wasn't bad then. So <laughs> it's still bad. <laughs> I don't know how you did that, man. I don't, you know, the energy was taken. So. <laughs> and were you dunk? You were dunking too. Were you dunking? Oh, you were dunking too. Yeah, it was funny. We, we talked about those those bad dunks. And early on, like nowadays, every CBA team has a trampoline mat. Almost every one of them has their own trampoline. Those guys all try to do it. Mark sold them a trampoline. Um, back in the day, I mean, I remember like sending out my contract and have a little note there. You have to bring this tra this mat there. And I remember I did, we were writing notes about the, the scary dunks and stuff. I did a show, this is my first season um, in Cedar Rapids for the Silver Bullets of the CPA. And I bring my trampoline. I don't think I've traveled the trampoline maybe. And I, I made them use their trampoline. So I'm going and I hook the thing and I'm just trying to like, you know, do a kind of a layout dunk and then land, you know, belly down on the mat. And I never touched the mat because I didn't bring it out there. I just had them put it in the right spot. I put the trampoline where I needed it. I, at that time, I didn't have an assistant with me. Put the tramp down. I run back. I do the dunk. I get up. I'm like, oh, this is good. And I land on the mat. And you realize this is one of those mats from a gymnastics center, you know, from somewhere that's the, the, the one they would loan out. So it has, in the center of it, it is completely pitted out. It's like landing on a napkin. And I, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know the feeling when you, when you, lose all your air and you, you get the wind knocked out of you and you're just gasping for any semblance of breath and i'm like dunk one one you know 15 seconds into a two-minute timeout and i'm laying on the ground just going <laughs> <laughs> just wheezing, trying to like catch my breath so i can finish the timeout but that's where you realize i gotta take a little closer look at every one of these mats every single time so the, the mat language got a little more detailed and i was a little more cautious after that that's right if you can bounce a quarter off of it or if you get, yeah. Yeah, I had my share of those. Running out of breath. I always remember doing birthday parties at Rocky's place in Denver. And you would, I would always forget how thin the air is there. <laughs> you know, we're doing halftime and it's like, hey, we're going to do this obstacle course and you're going to run down and go do this and all that. And, and I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. I got this. And 
30 seconds in, I'm like, okay, do I need to pull my head off on court right now? I'm at that point. <laughs> do I just lay down? Do I take the head off or do I run, try to make it off the court? I'm going to die. Uh, Every yeah. time. Well, you were at sea level up there. Yeah. That was a dramatic change. Man. You know, you know what? Can you remind me of something early in the, in the podcast? You were talking about the college thing and, and just how you would – find something or like the crowd is so engaged that no matter what you did, like you said, you're kind of doing this, this stuff that you're embarrassed about now. But as you said that, all I kept thinking about like in, in this world, how much of this is just a confidence thing. And it's like, you just said, those guys just fed off. You put your hand up, they would just go all crazy. And then you're just trying other stuff and they're, they're buying along with you. And like, I just, I, every time I think about like good comedy in the crowd, good antics and good mascot stuff, it's always like, it's that guy who's just so confident and it's like, you're just trying stuff. And again, some of that is the crowd feeding it back to you, but it's like, this is such a confidence game that I, I just, I keep thinking that in Mark and you must have stories about when you just like peak performance where you're like, I can try anything because it all works right now. Yep. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's, you know, Ken was my mentor and kind of trained me up in that. And I got to see him firsthand how he would do that. And, one of the things he told me right right from the beginning is you own the court. You own this arena. This is your place. So when you put on that suit and you step out there, you, you can do anything at any time and you need to have that mentality. And when you have that, people feed off of that. And, you know, you still, you're respectful with it. You're not going to, you're not doing that just to piss people off. But when you have that opposing team fan who might be playing around with you, you have that, that confidence to say, no, no, that's not going to happen here. I, this is my house. If anyone's leaving, you're leaving. I'm not leaving. And, and, or with any other fans that might be, you know, a little out of control. And, and then you, yeah, they, then this stuff starts happening. You can start to see the funny things and, and play off of that. And you've got your crowd behind you. It's yeah. It's, it's there's something magical about those kind of moments. Yeah. I, I, I'm even telling my kids now still, you know, everything's confidence. Everything's confidence. You know, if you're going to do something, do it with confidence. And, and, uh, yeah, I, but watching this VHS tape with my son the other day, <laughs> I'm like, this is going on forever. Like she filmed forever <laughs> and I'm still out there. I'm like, that's right. I didn't take any breaks back then. There was no place to take a break. I would be out there the whole time. And it's funny because uh, I kept having to say, look, dude, I was just trying stuff. <laughs> I was just, it was, it was trying to keep myself entertained, let alone everybody else. And, you know, that's, that's where, gosh, a lot of that confidence grew and a lot of that, uh, um, you know, just interaction stuff with people grew because I, man, I had to, I just had to stay out there. That makes me think, I wonder if, you know, when we were, all three of us got to do a lot of road shows, obviously Kudo way more than me and then more than, than Ken. And then I was kind of behind that. But, you know, as uh, later in my career is when they really started drying up as far as um, road shows, or at least the teams not wanting to have their brand associated with some other school or something like that. But it kind of reminds me of, you know, uh, comedians who go to these stand-up clubs and they're trying new stuff and it's all terrible and it's bombing and they have one good thing. Like, okay, cool. That's going in the show. And then, then when it, they get big, they're Chris Rock or some, you know, Kevin Hart, they do an hour long show and it's like, this, everything is incredible. All their material is awesome. It's like, well, they just spent 10 years of giving up, you know, writing crappy jokes that no one liked um, to find that one hour worth of material and now you see it. Um, so I wonder like with these guys, current guys, if they don't get that as much too. And mm -hmm. how do you start to per perfect your craft? If you're always on the big stage, you, you right. don't have an opportunity to fail and not make a big deal out of it. Yeah. You know, they're watching this video as well. I, I noticed there was a couple things that I still do. You know, yeah. I mean, it was the whole, you know, raising my hands, dropping it down, raising them halfway, dropping it down. You know, I do that now with clapping as well. But it's, it's, it's funny to look back and go, oh, oh my gosh, that's where I started that. That's where, 
you know, I, it's those little things that you go back and go, oh, that worked and that didn't, you know. Well, it's that 10,000 hour rule where they say, you know, to become an expert in something is just put in the hours and that's where it is. It's like you're going out there, you're failing, but also you're cataloging all those little little nuances that work, the little tricks that trade that, again, it's like, it's it's funny, you don't, you don't teach people that. You don't like, hey, you're, you're going to be, uh, you're the new mascot here, we're going to help you out. It's like, you, you can't teach them what you learned over over a thousand hours or 2,000 hours. Like you just got to yeah. go out there and just do it. It also reminds me of doing school shows. You know, at the end of my career, we were doing 60 or 80 school shows a year. And it was pretty much the same show every time. And every once in a while, something would go wrong. You know, the, the pogo stick broke and the cr- kids just went crazy. And like, okay, we've got to figure out how do we make this break every time? <laughs> you know, my assistant, John Brooks, says the wrong thing. He called, you know, calls the principal the wrong name and everyone starts laughing like okay every time you have to say the wrong principal's name you know there's a gimmick yeah yeah well you guys have really taken uh what you've learned over the years and and molded it into different things and well you guys i really appreciate you coming on i'm i'm you know proud to know you guys i look up to both of you so thanks for having me on and 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 go on fire rivalry lives Yeah, and I said you look up to both of us just because you're so short. You look up to everybody. I look up to everybody. (laughs) I set you up for that. I set you up for that. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. See you, Mark. Peace.